0: Once again, we want to welcome you to Bethany United Methodist Church, where we are leading people to experience God's love, to know Jesus Christ, and to grow in His image. If you're just now joining with us online, we're delighted to have you worshiping with us today. We want to encourage you to go to the website where you can register your attendance with us. Let us know you're worshiping with us. You can get all sorts of information about how to be connected with us here at Bethany. I I debated about whether I was going to tell you this. um, That last picture of me... With the tea towel that says, I love Jesus, that's not the whole tea towel. It says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little bit. I told 930 I'd do my best not to do that in worship, especially since we're live streaming, and I think my dad and my aunt are watching, uh, so I will do my best to, to not do that. In 2015, a movie came out called Inside Out about a little girl named Riley who is moving from Minnesota to San Francisco. And the movie takes us through this life-changing event for Riley uh, through the lens of her emotions that we see in the control panel of her mind. And for most of Riley's life, joy has been the primary, the dominant emotion for her. But with the stress of this move to a new community across the country, Uh, All of a sudden, sadness takes a few turns at the control panel in new ways, along with fear and anger and disgust. It's a really sweet and tender movie that reminds us that we all have all of those emotions, and then some, and that all of those emotions are part of what it means to be human, part of what it means to experience life and all that life brings to us, For these past eight weeks, I have felt all the feelings, all of them, and uh, some of you have as well. I know that. And when I've been unsure about how to sort of sift through, sort through what I'm feeling, uh, several of you have been kind enough to remind me. You've said something like, you know, um, sometimes the best place to start, the best thing that we can do is is to breathe (laughs) and pray. And uh, after I roll my eyes at them a little bit for, you know, pointing that back to me, uh, in fact, that's still true. That when we don't know what to do or how we feel or how to sort through things, to take a deep breath and to pray is the best place to start. And I figured it's the best place for us to start today, too. So if you will take a deep breath with me and let us pray. Loving and holy God, we're grateful to be gathered. We're grateful for your presence and for your love. We pray that you would open our ears to hear your word to us today, our hearts to receive your word to us today, that you would take hold of us and transform us, renew us by your spirit. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Dear friends, there are not enough words, uh, there are not enough pastor videos or sermons or pastor articles for me to express the fullness of my love and my gratitude to all of you for all that you have been for us. How do you sum up 16 years together? We don't, not really. Uh, because it's not just 16 years. I mean, yes, it is 16 years in the Chronos time that we measure in the seasons and in the days and in the hours and the minutes. It's 16 years together in that way. But it's not just Chronos time. We live together in God's Kairos time, which is a, a qualitative kind of time. Some refer to Kairos time as, as deep time. It's that time where where time kind of stands still and the world stops for sometimes just the briefest of moments. And it it can happen when we exhale deeply together, when we breathe deeply together. It can happen when we share laughter, when we share holy tears, where we share those sacred moments where there's not a doubt at all that we have experienced God's presence and God's grace with us where we are with one another in this space and in this time. In God's economy of, of Kairos time, all these things that we have shared for 16 years, they don't just disappear. They remain a part of who you are. They remain a part of who I am. Our, our lives and our hearts, friends, are woven together by those unseen hands of the Holy Spirit. And that's always going to be who we are. It's true that our Chronos time together may be coming to an end, but in that shared space of Kairos time, God's Kairos time, all of that remains. And we will always be part of one another because as the body of Christ, regardless of where we are, we are one body we could spend hours uh, talking about these last 16 years. We could spend hours telling stories and, and remembering all the fun we've had and all the journey, all the adventure that we have had together. Uh, but because our time actually today is still measured by Kronos time, and some of us have, places, we have a party to go to and we have a meeting to go to, uh, I just want to take a few minutes to share my heart with you as we prepare to... Uh, to say goodbye. Prepare to say, God be with you to one another. I I kept coming back to different texts of Scripture to choose for today, and I I kept landing in Paul's letters. You know, Paul's letters are remarkable in that they almost always uh, begin or have pretty close to the front some expression of gratitude uh, for the the people Paul is writing to. Uh, Paul's letters always contain some kind of challenge to the people he's writing to, uh, a challenge to continue living in Christ, to being the new creation that we are in Christ. And then always Paul's letters include encouragement to the people for whom he's writing. And I hope that you hear all of that from me today. I hope you hear my gratitude. I hope you hear a challenge. And I hope that you feel encouraged uh, by what we share today. The text I landed on finally was out of Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to encourage you also uh, to go read Colossians 3 later and read the verses that precede this, verses 1 to 11, to understand how Paul gets to this place. But these five verses touch on three things that have been had significant impact on my, on my life, on my walk with God, and my relationships with other people. And those are uh, what it means that my primary identity is as a beloved child of God, what it means to have to know that the power and the necessity of forgiveness, and then, of course, gratitude. Today, as we start, we talk about what it means to be God's beloved. As chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves. What does it mean that we are beloved? In 1 John, we read, see what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. One of my favorite translations says, See what love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We are beloved children of God. For so many years, really, uh, I have had this idea of, of what it means to be a beloved child of God that has resonated deep within me. I, I think we all have a longing in us to be loved with such certainty with such affection, with such completeness. Even as we live in this world in in which, uh, in many cases, love has a lot of strings attached to it, strings of power and position, strings of performance and possessions. In this world of comparison and competition, we often are are fighting for love, uh, trying to to get the right spot and to get the love that we want, or we're worried that there's not going to be enough. Love to go around, and we've learned that our hearts can be broken. In Christ, brothers and sisters, in Christ, we experience the fullness of being God's beloved children with love that is lavished upon us by the God of the universe, the God who created the universe, who numbered and named the stars, who created the heavens and the earth night and day, who created us in the image of God and and called us good. God who is over all and above all and in all. God is who loves us, lavishes love upon us. We are loved by this God who loves without limits. God's love knows no bounds. We are all held in that space. It's a love that we don't deserve and we can't earn. That's why we call it grace. And it is a grace that as we live in it, it continues to reveal in us the image of God in which we are created, that goodness in us in which we are created in the image of God, grace, God's love as beloved children works in us so that that is what is being revealed. You know, the challenge for us may not be believing that we are beloved children of God. Most of us would say, okay, I I believe I'm a beloved child of God the greatest challenge might actually be daring to live as if we really are beloved children of God. Beloved, be loved. Be loved. Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 8, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption, When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. To be loved by God is to no longer be a slave to fear. To be loved by God is to understand that God's love for us is not dependent on what we say or what we do or how many times we mess things up. To be loved by God is to choose life in Christ and to know that our brokenness in the midst of this broken world, our brokenness is made whole in Christ's brokenness. It is to understand our complete dependence on God and to let God, who's already demonstrated God's love for us in Jesus Christ, already demonstrated that love to us. It is to let God love us. To let God love us as we are, not leaving us as we are, inviting us into growing and becoming more like Christ, but loving us as we are. So that we can live in that space where we offer ourselves to be made more like Christ. Beloved, be loved and then be love. Jesus gives us a new commandment in John 13. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, if you can grasp the truth that your identity is as a beloved child of God, if if we can grasp that, uh, that truth, that our identity is a beloved child of God, and if we can live in God's love for us, then honestly, friends, we have no choice but to love one another. Sometimes I wonder if we try to love one another without first really understanding that we are loved. Sometimes I wonder if we try to love one another without really understanding that we are loved. Because when we live from that place of being God's beloved where we are heirs with Christ, all that is Christ's is ours when we live from that place of being God's beloved, then we are completely free to love one another. We don't have to compete for God's love. We don't have to try to earn God's love for ourselves, and we don't have to demand that the other does something to earn or deserve God's love or ours. God's love for another person doesn't diminish God's love for us. It takes nothing away from God's love for us. When we live as God's beloved, knowing that we are loved, then we are free to truly love one another. And if we can learn to accept that, it will change the whole way that we look at the world, the whole way we see one another, the whole way we love one another, and that will change the world. We talk a lot about changing the as the church about changing the world. But if we're not going to love one another as Christ has loved us, the world will never change. But we have to live in that, not just come here and hear it and say that we believe it and then not live it. If we believe that we are God's beloved and if we know that we are loved, by God, then we are free to love without reservation, without hesitation, because we have nothing to lose, nothing to lose in loving one another. Beloved child of God, be loved, be love. Paul even tells us how, actually, uh, he tells us that as God's chosen ones, Holy and beloved, here's how. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Ugh. Man, that verse. Right? I mean, wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be better? I wish we had that polling thing that y'all use at the town hall meeting. Wouldn't it be better if it said something like this? Bear with one another, unless the other one is hurting your feelings or disagreeing with you or criticizing you or getting in your way or getting what you wanted. Or even if it says, don't worry about bearing with one another, just make sure they bear with you, right? Wouldn't that be better? But it doesn't doesn't actually say that. It says, we are to bear with one another. We are beloved and we are forgiven and you know if we are forgiven you know what comes next right we have to forgive in this current climate uh, of our uh, of emotional health in our culture it is it is heavy with anxiety and fear it is thick with suspicion and polarized by rhetoric and self-interests and when someone upsets us or disagrees with us or hurts us, rather than breathing and praying and responding in love as God's beloved, we are so quick to, to react, to assume malicious intent, to lash out, to protect ourselves and our position in the world. We like the idea of being forgiven. We like that a lot. We just aren't... We uh, we have to forgive? That's harder for us. It's as if all of those clothes, right, be clothed with, with compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience, it's as if those have been stripped off and what's revealed is what's underneath, exposing our anger and our hatred and our fear, our mistrust and our arrogance, our impatience, our insecurity and our, our pride. Honestly, the way we live in the world sometimes, it seems that we would rather bear a grudge than bear with one another. The truth is, we're going to get hurt. We're going to be betrayed. The truth is, not everyone is going to agree with you. And the truth is, sometimes we're the ones that are doing the hurting. We're the ones that are betraying. We're the ones that are creating dissension and and disagreement. The truth is that that, uh, sometimes we're right. And it's also true that sometimes we're wrong. What's always true is that being right with God is not about being right at all. It's about being in right relationship with God and with one another. God sets this mark of love for us. Maybe you've heard this uh, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We like that part of the great commandment where, you know, there's a second part to that though, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. God sets this mark of love for us to, to seek, to be like Christ, to, to be servant hearted, to love sacrificially with agape love, to, to love with humility, as God's beloved, that's, that's our mark, <laughs> and we miss it all the time. All of us do because we're, we're part of the broken humanity, the, the fallenness of this world. We are always God's beloved, always God's beloved, who sometimes, and maybe often, fail to love, and we need to be forgiven. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we are forgiven. We are forgiven for missing the mark that God sets for us, the mark that God sets for us to love. We need to be forgiven. We are forgiven. The full game changer then is that we forgive one another. I'm going to be bold enough to say this. And I told them at 930, you can argue with me, except I'm not going to be here. So you can argue with Tom or you can argue with Wynn or Thomas, either way, right? But I'm going to be bold enough to say today that you will not be free to be fully alive in Christ until you're willing to forgive as God has forgiven you. There's just no way around that. I can't find any loopholes in scripture around that. If you want to be free to live fully alive in Christ, who forgives you, then you're going to have to forgive. You're going to, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean forgetting. It doesn't equal reconciliation. It means you set the other person free and you set yourself free to live in God's love. And to understand that whoever's hurt you or whoever disagrees with you, whoever's wounded you, guess what? God loves them too. God's love is for all of us, and if we can learn how to receive God's forgiveness and to forgive one another as God's beloved, the world will change. The world will change. And so then finally, Paul gets us to these last last verses. I'm going to give you a heads up. There's a, a little audience participation I'll, I'll point to you. It'll, it's not hard. You didn't, you didn't have to prepare. You didn't have to study. I'm with you here. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Y'all have done it the best so far out of everybody. I'm just telling you. There's, but you don't, you've got a couple of more opportunities, so don't, don't mess it up. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know what? The ushers gave me a medal after the last service. I'm willing to share it with you guys because you, that was Awesome, you were right on target, except this says that I'm the best pastor boss, and I made sure Tom saw that at 9.30, <laughs> so feel free to, and it has my name on it, so it's not like you can even take it from me and give it to, to Tom, it's, it's around my neck, right? Gratitude, gratitude, be thankful, with gratitude give thanks. It's as if Paul wants us to know something here, Right? Last week, my dad was uh, here with us, helping us get our house ready to go on the market, and uh, we had Chinese food one night. And uh, his fortune cookie, he opened it up, and this is what his fortune said: "One should not forget the language of gratitude." So I reached over and took it from him. Thank you, Dad. And uh, I kept. He, he, I let him keep the cookie. He ate the cookie. I just wanted the fortune out of it, right? My fortune was something like, um, "You're the author of your own dreams" or something. I wanted the gratitude. Uh, The language of gratitude because gratitude is essential to who we are as people of faith, as ones who are beloved by God. Gratitude is essential and has been such a game changer for my life. Not just lip service, thank you, right, but a heart-postured gratitude for the goodness and the faithfulness, the kindness of God. The goodness, the faithfulness, the kindness of God to be able to say, Thank you. A heart postured gratitude that sets the table to hold not just all of the fun things, the good things in life, but also sets the table to hold space for all of the hard things in life. Life as God's beloved is not easy. And though it is fun a lot of the time, it's not fun all of the time. You know that. But it is life as God's beloved. So when the table that you're sitting at holds heartache and disappointment and and frustration and challenges and pain and struggles, it is not just life. It is life as God's beloved. God is with us in Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. God is with us in the fullness of life's experiences, with us, with faithful and generous love. And for that... We are grateful. For that, we can be grateful regardless of what's on our table. For the past eight weeks, in the fullness of all of the emotions that we have been feeling, the joy, the sadness, the fear, the hope, anticipating the changes for me and for my family and for you, I uh, have realized that it's gratitude that has risen to the top of all of those emotions. Gratitude for all that we have shared in these 16 years together, all of it, for the ups and the downs, for the times that things have gone great, for the times that they have been bumpy, for the celebrations of of life and for the heartaches that we have shared together, for the whole of the journey. I am grateful For the ways that we have experienced God's love together, the ways that we have known Jesus Christ together, the ways that we have grown in his image together. You have welcomed me and my family into your hearts, into your homes, into the very sacred moments of your lives, the holy moments of your lives. And it is such a privilege for me. It has been such a privilege for me to be one of your pastors through all of this time And so it is with a grateful heart that we can say goodbye. I know people don't want to say goodbye. I don't want to say goodbye. But what I understand is that goodbye literally means God be with you. And as people of faith, goodbyes aren't final. In fact, as people of faith, goodbyes really are more like preludes to new hellos, right? I'm saying goodbye. I'm saying God be with you. And you will welcome new people in and say hello to them and love them as you have loved us. You're saying, God, be with you to me, and I'm going down to North Shore, and, and I will be able to say hello to a different part of the body of Christ and love them because you have loved me. Today, we, we can say, God, be with you with gratitude and even with joy as a blessing for one another knowing that the blessings that we have received from one another they don't disappear just because we are not in the same place we are united by the holy spirit we are bound together in christ and the love that we have shared that remains with us always and in the economy of god's kairos time the love that we have shared together my hope and prayer is that it has expanded my heart's capacity and your heart's capacity to love others because we have loved one another so well. 16 years ago, you uh, welcomed me and uh, Daniel into your lives here, and then you welcomed Luke when we had Luke, and then you welcomed Zach. And uh, this, is, this is our hope home. This is the only home the boys have ever known. This is their family. You are our Austin family. And honestly, half the time, you guys think the boys belong to you anyway. But I just want you to know, Daniel and I are taking them with us. <clears throat> uh, you can borrow them occasionally if you want, but, but they're, they're coming with us. But you have welcomed us and you have loved us. And for that, we are grateful. Here's a, a picture of us uh, with my dad, whose fortune cookie, fortune I stole. Uh, he, he gave it willingly, right? right? Dad, you gave it with, uh, with gratitude uh, to me to let me have that. A part of who I am and a part of who my family is is because of who you are and how you have loved us. And I, I suspect... For better or for worse, a part of who you are is because of who I am and have been with you. That all remains. I do, I do hope that you will keep the better of that part. And if there is a worse part, that you will just let that go. That we will have grown together in God's love but you are with me and I am with you because we are in Christ together and we can embrace the adventure that is ahead for all of us. And I pray that you, you will welcome whoever comes after me. You will welcome them as you've welcomed me, that you will embrace them as you have embraced me, that you will love them as you have loved me, that you will welcome them to your table, to God's table in your midst as you have welcomed us. And that you will know every time you love someone else, as every time you welcome someone else in and welcome them to the table of God, that wherever I am, wherever my family is at the table of God, we're all celebrating the feast of God together. And one day, one glorious day, we will all be sitting around the table together as God's beloved children. So, my beloved friends, you are beloved children of God. Be Loved and be love. You are forgiven. So please, forgive. Be thankful. Give thanks. Live with a grateful heart. And may God always be with you. Let the people say amen.